This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Hi. You look so beautiful in paradise. <laughs> no, there's ah! not. But look, I got dressed for. You look very nice. No, but really? I got dressed for Costa Rica. I like it. You look. I want to be in Costa Rica. You come visit. Because you live in Costa Rica. You're the coolest person. I do. And my um, my house is actually usually a great spot, but there's like so many construction workers there right now it's like I'm like yeah, you feel under construction like little things but today everyone decided to come you know like the screen guy the door guy and I'm like Eric I gotta go I gotta go find somewhere else to go so, so you found another place to go I found another so here I am yeah but I have look I even have a pretty juice so pretty oh my god you live in Costa Rica <laughs> for the year just for the record, everybody, she's coming I'm back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. You do uh, look great. It's because I really want to be in Costa Rica. Can we go for um, spring break just to visit you? Yes, I think I think so. I think so. When is what, your spring break? Well, just actually, depends. the 18th. Yes. Yes, you can. Absolutely. What? We'll be back by then. We're back by then. Your spring what break you is late. Doing? We'll have Passover together, right? I mean, that would be great. Mm-hmm. I actually, there actually, is a friend of mine, a friend of mine is Jewish and British and we're having the first, we're having Passover at her place the first night. So I'm having Passover at her place. Is that the 18th? No, <laughs> no. I think it's the 17th or well, 16th. But, yeah, but that's later. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the Friday night. That's the Friday the night. Pache is that week. It's that week. You could do it. It would I'm, be really fun. Really though? Yes. You stay in your house? Yes, you could stay with us. Stop. Yeah, we don't have anyone coming that week. We're going to be away the week before, but we then we come back. Do you have yeah. people visiting you all the time? No, no, because our place just got done. So it was a whole, um, it was a whole journey. So a whole journey. It's a different kind of journey. That's for yeah. a different podcast. Exactly. The I don't construction know curious. About... Construction curious. Construction <laughs> curious. I love that. If that was a show, no one would do construction. Also, no one would ever do construction ever because construction fucking sucks. sucks. Mm. Oh my gosh. It's been a joy. It's been a joy. It's yeah. and by a joy, yeah. terrible. Awful. Oh. Our contractor went bankrupt 90% into our project. No. So that was fun. Bankrupt with your money. Yeah. Just project great. over. Yeah. Great. So that was, if you guys want a beautiful place to stay in Costa Rica, I know, I know someone you can rent from. Oh yeah. For sure. It is going to be, um, we're in the process of finding a long-term renter for next year, actually, for the year, because a lot of families come like we do for the year, but no, there's like, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. So, so am I going to do that? Am I going to rent from you? Is that what, what's going to happen? I'm dressed for it. You're ready for it. I'm ready. Start coming for a few days and see if what you think of it. Like, like over Passover? Right, exactly. And then you can see what you think. You're not going to move to Costa Rica for a year. I don't know. I can't see that. Why not? It's hard. So I, it's hard. Well, yeah, there's challenges. Like you have to not mind. I don't know actually what your opinion is on like creepy crawlies, but you have to not mind creepy crawlies, which I do. I, I mind them. So you don't still like you, you haven't been desensitized. No. I mean, I guess a little bit, like if I see like a little, you know, ant or something now, I don't like freak out. Like if I saw that in Brooklyn, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, yeah. like what's yeah. an ant doing? But like there, like you, there are just like, you know, you see a couple of ants in your house every single day. But like, I'm talking when they like, you know, they're just everywhere. 
like cockroaches. Yeah. Now, like, um, not everywhere, but like scorpions. Like you have, you might just see a scorpion. I don't want it, but I want it. Right? For- That's um, what I'm saying. Like for a I'm, short I'm, period of time, it's all good. It's all good for a short period of time. But for me, I just don't have the like toughness to like really live here. Well, you I- clearly do because you're living there. For well. That was just you're doing it. Point. That's the crazy part that when you're like, oh, I don't have the, I don't have it in me to do exactly what I'm doing, except that I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to bring you on, Jamie. Jamie's my friend from, from Ness's school, actually. Okay. I hesitated to say, you know why I hesitated to say friend, Jamie, is because you, we weren't friends beforehand. No, no, no. I, I, this is a good thing. It's like, you were so firmly established in like the Brooklyn world. Like you, you were working during COVID. Like you were like relatively compared to the rest of us, like well-adjusted. And I was not, I was having the hardest year of really maybe my life. And you were so kind. Your kid, Avery and Ness are in the same grade and class. And Mm -hmm. we just like found a couple of, pockets of time where it felt okay to hang out, which was like few and far between. I know. We came to your place and I remember you were like, let's make robots. And yeah, we make robots. (laughs) And it was so much fun. And Avery was so petrified of you. And because you were so like singing and like, you were so much fun and she didn't talk right for the entire hour. I think that whole play date she did. Well, I'm petrifying. I get that a lot. But then she, but that's how she always is. Like I took her yesterday somewhere. She just like, she kind of is like mute for an hour and then she's good, you know, and then she opens up. I think they call that slow to warm up and that's okay. That's how she is. She's okay. That's better. That sounds better than me saying she's petrified. You know what? I actually, yeah, totally. Because she's not petrified. She's like sussing out the situation. Right, Um, exactly. But in that time, and I'm only beelining it because I know we only have a half hour with you. But I, I wanted to bring you on because this podcast is for people who are curious about motherhood, all the different ways of getting to motherhood Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. And, um, and being a mother, because I think there are different ways, right? Like taking a year in Costa Rica, which you did. Uh-huh. Yes. Children is one yes. way. Yes. One pretty adventurous way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, that was basically, I wouldn't have done it without my husband wanting to do it. Right. And then, and I thought a year felt really long. Right. So we were building this house in Costa Rica that was going to be a vacation house to Airbnb it. And then when COVID hit and I was living with my in-laws for basically six months, I was like, oh, I think I can move to Costa Rica for the year. It suddenly felt like, oh, we could, we can do this, you know? And like, what are we waiting for? Like, it's always something that we've wanted to do an adventure like that with our kids. And we thought like, there's never going to be the just right time for it. Right. So let's go do it now. Um, And so we thought our house would be done and we'd be moving into a brand (laughs) new house and like living life. But then we, it wasn't done. And so we've been living, I lived in at least 10 different houses slash hotels between September and February Wow. Uh, and like moved and yeah. And then also, I don't know how much you want me to get into this, but also like the first six weeks, my husband wasn't able to come down because he was like laid up in bed with an, a surgery that he had to have, an emergency surgery. So it was um, just you in a foreign land, more or less. Follies, which we've established, yes. is not the thing, <laughs> right? But, but, right. So, but then I was like, okay. So, th- for people who are curious about motherhood, so d- just as a proof 
that the job of the mother is never over. What did I do when I found out Eric couldn't come right away is I called my mom. I was like, can you come to Costa Rica next week with me for a month? And she and my, and my dad came and just stayed with me. And it was amazing. Like they just picked up like whatever they were doing. They had their plans, you know, and they just dropped everything and came. And it was, I was very, very lucky, but like they, they don't like bugs even more than I don't like bugs. So it was kind of like, you know, they're like, like Eric it, put you there and then like made you sort of, like we're, like, we're all like living Eric's dream, but he's not wow. there. Um, <laughs> I want to rewind a bit. Yes. Which, yeah. Um, you know, there are so many, it's so funny because like, you know, you could come off as like such a conventional mom. It's just like mm-hmm. a regular everyday Brooklyn mom, teacher, reading right. specialist and you are like exemplary in all of these areas and you. regular normal you know friendly kind oh. thanks daniela it's true and something that's exceptional about you beyond this adventure you embarked on like the adventure of motherhood in a really unconventional way from the very beginning yes, yes. you told me about your surrogacy and in a way that was so open, of course, you, oh. you, you were not the surrogate. You no. um, had your two children via surrogacy. Correct. And you were so open about it. And so I wouldn't call it nonchalant, but you yeah. know, this was your way. And I think more people need to hear about yeah. this way because absolutely, I, I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know you could breastfeed actually. Oh, yeah. It was really cool that you could actually make breast milk, even if you didn't go through the pregnancy and the labor. Right. I, I would love for you to walk us through yeah. maybe how, how you got to that decision to start, you know, the surrogacy process. Sure. Um, Cause that I'm sure it was a journey. Yeah. It was a journey. It was yeah. a journey. So I was in my early thirties and ready to have children and at the time, I never had regular periods. So it was just like, oh, like I knew something was maybe up. So then when we just tried naturally, we were unsuccessful. So, you know, we went to the doctor, you went to a specialist, we were prescribed Clomid, you know, as many women are so that they could regulate their, their periods. Um, so, and that worked great. I got pregnant very quickly. I was really excited. I was like, yes. And and had several early miscarriages. So I kept taking Clomid, having early miscarriages. Um, some of them, I had gone to the doctor and we would, you know, see the heartbeat and then I would miscarry and some were just positives on a pregnancy test. So it was this roller coaster, right? For a while of just like, what's going on? You know, we're gonna have a baby and not. Um, And then um, when we realized that then, then they had, they cleaned me out. That was like my first intervention. They were like, all right, let's do this. I forgot what it was called. like a hysteroscopy or something like that. I wrote, I actually wrote this, all these steps down. Okay. Um, so I, think called, I don't want to, I don't want to say you get the sign. Yeah. I think hysteroscopy that was in 2010. And that was to kind of like, I don't know, clear out your tubes and everything. So we did this fine. And I kept getting pregnant and I kept losing the baby in total. I think it was nine times that that happened. Wow. And this is all um, we're working with children, right? I was always, yeah, I was a teacher. I was a classroom teacher. So the way that it would work, if, if anyone, um, anyone who's listening knows this, but often you go to these clinics really early in the morning. So I would, I live in Brooklyn and I was going to NYU 
Um, and so I would, you know, wake up at, you know, oh, dark 30, get on the train to go take the express bus to NYU and then try to like be teaching by like by 8 a.m., mm -hmm. you know, and um, so it was really a really challenging period. Um, and How so many years did it last? The whole process from when we first started trying until um, when Gavin was finally born was three years and nine months. Wow. Um, so after sort of the traditional, then we tried IVF, you know, went to the IVF you know, doctor and did that and still miscarried. So, which was, you know, obviously a very challenging experience because it's a certain major surgery. Um, and then we saw this, another specialist, like the third specialist who suggested this thing called, um, um, well, pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which was like, okay, is there a problem with the embryo? And so then we did another round of IVF with that. And then still my body would react. And meanwhile, I'm going in, now I'm going to this doctor on the Upper East Side and I have to go and do infusions every few weeks to suppress mm -hmm. like my natural killer cells. And oh, I'm right. taking steroids in order to like strengthen something else. And it was like, I was, I was on so many <laughs> different yeah. kinds of drugs in order to make this, you know, and all kinds of shots, like the whole thing. Um, and then yes, killer cells, right? You, you once mm -hmm. told me about this, like you never get sick, right? You're actually a very yeah. healthy person. I'm really healthy. I like to think that it's because I have these really strong natural killer cells because eventually in my final pregnancy that we got the farthest, which was still not even ever past the first trimester. Um, I had just gone in a few days before for this treatment that's supposed to suppress my natural killer cells. But we got the results and they still were quite high. So I just like to think I'm a superhero. It's really like yeah. the only way that I can get that, you know, through this yeah. is I like well, to I feel. So what are natural killer cells? What are they? I think it like, kills infections and things like that in your oh body. My God. And if you've ever been pregnant for anyone listening, it really is a parasitic experience. Yeah. The, <laughs> right. the, no, like the cells that are growing in the body. Like, I mean, you've been pregnant numerous times, Jamie. Yes. Like mm -hmm. it really feels like you're, they're sucking the life out of you because they are. Right, exactly. Except so that, what, yeah. you know, you can replenish for, for, for the most part, but the exactly. natural killer cells were like, no, actually I like Jamie more. Boom. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's what kept happening. I like to tell myself that, but what it felt like during this time was that, because I was a, a runner before and I ran half marathons like all over the country. Like that was, that was my thing. And I, I stopped doing that and I changed my diet and everything when I was trying, but I felt like I was, I was always at mile six, right? Like I just, like, I was always at the hardest part of the race for like over mm. and over and over again. Mm. It was the, it was the hardest time of my life. There's no doubt about that. Like it was challenging on our um, on my marriage, right? It was challenging on my, my body, like that, everything. Financially even, um, right? Finance, financially, right. I mean, and I was like lucky to be able to get all of these treatments, right? And, you know, be able to do that, but it still was a huge burden. Um, and then, you know, I was also 33, 34, 35. What's happening around me? Like all of my friends are getting pregnant and having babies, right? right? And they're like accidentally getting pregnant. And I'm just like, right. oh my God. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, I was like, I'm going to be such a good parent. I am, you know, going to love every second of it. You, you are. I, you know, what's really interesting is that I, <laughs> I found, um, I didn't find her. We like, I happened upon one of your friends in the neighborhood. I texted oh, yeah. her yes. and we were like, she's such a good mom. Like, Aww. what is that? And I remembered this story. And I think yeah. that we had another 
we had another guest, um, Jenny Greenstein, who mm. was on the podcast who has had her children via IVF, yeah. she's in a same sex marriage. And she just looked me square in the eyes and was like, I worked really hard to get mm-hmm. these babies and I have the perspective to prove it. And I 100%. really thought of you in those moments because, you yeah. know, your friend was like, like, you know, like shit can be hitting the fan and she's just kind of like, okay with it. What is that? And I, <laughs> and I know what that is. That's perspective. That's what that is. Right. Right. So then, so then finally, um, it was so interesting because we went to this doctor and I don't know if I, um, you know, can say his name or not on here. Um, but I think he was kind of helpful yeah. to the people listening. I think it was, his name is Dr. Um, Dr. Grassi, Dr. Grassi, Jamie Grassi. He was in, incredible. And he, oh, I'm sorry. Let me go, go, go. Not Dr. Grassi in a second. Hold on. She's checking her notes just in case anyone's Dr. wondering what we're holding mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. Griffo, I'm sorry, Dr. Griffo, Dr. Griffo, another GR, right? Dr. Griffo was incredible because he, it was, he was actually our specialist. Let us go through all of these processes. And then when they failed, he was like, you know, have you considered um, using a gestational carrier, which is a surrogate? Okay. And he talked us through the whole process. And we didn't even find out till later that that's actually how his children were born. <laughs> yeah. Just like the ultimate professional he was really great. So then, you know, so then he connected us with a lawyer and then it gets really complicated because at the time, and I don't know what the laws are now, but it was it, in New York. It's not legal in New York. And so it also, our, sure, our lawyer was in New Jersey, but it wasn't legal in New Jersey either. So there were this list of states and we had to decide, you know, what our criteria was kind of like you would on, you know, a dating website, right. For what you, but, but really it's, you know, it was my egg, my husband's sperm, but like, who do you want to carry your, your baby? And we were just like, we want them to be kind and healthy, you know, (laughs) like, you know, they ask you all kinds of questions about religion and race and everything. And to us, we were like, you know, we just want them to be kind and healthy. And so we found this woman who was incredible and she lived in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so she agreed to be our gestational carrier and she was phenomenal. She had two kids of her own. She always had easy pregnancies. She had always wanted to do this for somebody. And it felt like a really nice, a really nice relationship that we were entering into. Um, and so everything went well. The pregnancy was uneventful. Um, I, you know, we were so excited to finally, you know, have our, our baby coming. And we were making plans because I'm a planner. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to be notes for this conversation. Like it was over Christmas break. Gavin was coming in March and I was like, okay, we're going to right. I have notes for this conversation. I was going to (laughs) like, I was going to, um, like I had a go bag. I'm like, this is what's going to be in a go bag. Like, what do we need? We need wipes. Like, I was like, I had no idea what it was to be a mother, you know, (laughs) I was like, having worked with children your entire life. I had no idea. It was like, none of us know why we have a podcast. Yeah. Right. Right. No, no idea. So I was really, I remember asking my friends about like wipes. I was like, do I need wipes? It was like very good. It's like a whole, like, but now I'm like, I like have wipes all the time. Of course. Of course you just always bring wipes. ABW. I tell, I tell Eric whenever we leave the house. Always bring wipes. Always bring wipes. (laughs) Um, So then this was, remember he's supposed to be born in March. We're figuring out our go bag over Christmas. And on January 1st, we're about to get on an airplane to come back to New York from, from Florida. And it's seven in the morning and we get a phone call from the carrier and she would never call me. Like she would, you know, I would usually call her. That was just kind of how our relationship worked. And I thought it was weird that she was calling me on New Year's day at seven o'clock when we just talked like the two days before when she had her ultrasound. It turned out she was going into labor. Um, 
nine weeks early. (laughs) And so she's like, so I'm on my way to the hospital. And I was like, me too. I'm on my way to the hospital too. (laughs) And so um, instead of flying back to New York in January, you know, I flew to Atlanta, Georgia, went straight to the hospital. But before I got there, I'm in the airplane and this was 2014, first day of 2014, January 1st. (laughs) And um, Gavin was born when we were in the airplane. And it was the, it was the first time I ever used Wi-Fi calling. Cause I was like, this is, this seems like an expense I need to use right now. Son's about to be born. I think was we're going to FaceTime or was it just the call? No, it's just the call, but it was 2014. <laughs> Things have changed a lot. You know, it was oh like, God. I don't know, 599. I never would splurge you know, on the airplane. So, <laughs> but I did. And thankfully I did. Cause I get this photo of Gavin from, Oh, I also called my friend who lived in Georgia and it was like new year's day. You know, I was like, quick drive to the hospital my son's about to be born I want to make sure no one takes him away you know just like make sure no one takes him away and I mean I had trust in my carrier but you know crazy things happen in this world and so I was worried about everything on that airplane right like why is he coming so early the ultrasound said he was going to be three pounds and 11 ounces he was going to be tiny like he wasn't going to be healthy like I was so worried and then I get this picture at 10.07 a.m. as I'm in the air of this perfect little baby. Um, he was perfect. He was four pounds, four ounces. Um, He's like he was like an okay size. Yes, he was the loudest baby in the NICU by far. I mean, <laughs> by far. I was like, I think it's good. He's my kid, he's my kid. Yeah. Um, and so then we, um, we, I basically moved in to the Hampton Inn that was sort of right next to the hospital for the next six weeks as he just had to grow. Um, and as you were you there as well, was she okay? So she was okay. So she was um, obviously like, you know, worried as well. But once she knew the baby was healthy, it you know, she was fine. And then after she recovered, because she had a C-section, so she was, you know, in the hospital for a few days, which by the way, the hospital care, all of that, I think is so much better in where we were in Georgia versus a lot of the city place, you know, because it's oh. so much, so many less people. Yeah. No doubt. So she was great. So she did great. She went home after a few days. And then I think a couple of weeks later, she came back to visit, you know, when he was a little bit stronger and she held him and it was all, it was all good. Yeah. Um, Eric. So Eric, so he, so what did he think of Gavin? (laughs) What do you think of him? When I, when did he meet him? He met, he met him that same day. So we met him that same day. I didn't realize it was the two of you. Oh yeah. We all flew back. We flew together, the two of us. And he stayed for a week. And he, at the time he was, you know, he was working in Midtown. So he then was kind of just basically going back and forth, you know, on the weekends he came to Georgia and then during the week he would be in New York. Um, once we were in the routine and we knew that Gavin was going to be there for like over a month, like we realized we can't all stay. This was before everyone was working remotely, right? So totally different world. Um, but I had a job as you alluded to earlier, because earlier in the pregnancy, I'd heard about inducing lactation which felt really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought, okay, let me try to do this. So I met with a a specialist and I was- Dr. Gabay, who was my specialist also. Yes, that's right. Dr. Gabay, she was amazing. She is Um, Yeah, and so she gave me, it was was many, more hormones, right? And so the- (laughs) Like you don't have um, enough. And then, okay. and then she, and also a lot of herbs. Like you know that one that makes you smell like maple syrup. There That's was one. Fenugreek and yes. go through 
Yes. There were others, but those were the two most helpful for me. Right. So I was on. And then she also her. gave me Dom Peridon, which is. Yes. I, I hope it's okay that I say that because I'm not, because you can only get it in Canada. Correct. Exactly. But yes. she's, she's a, an angel on earth. Amazing. Amazing. And you knew that you could induce lactation, even though you didn't go through pregnancy and labor. I did not know this. Yes. I wasn't the first person that she had done this with. I wasn't like yeah. the guinea pig. So then I, but, but the problem was that Gavin came too early. So I didn't really finish the, the whole process because what you're supposed to do is a few weeks before the baby is born, you're supposed to start pumping all through the night to kind of get you every three hours you wake up and you pump. Yeah. So um, pumping, how would you describe pumping for the listener who doesn't know what pumping is? Yes. So pumping is um very strange experience. It's a very strange experience. <laughs> I mean, you have to hook yourself up, you know, to this contraption. And it's basically you feel like a cow, right? You feel yeah. like a cow who's getting milked. Um and so this it's, machine actually it's like a machine like squeezes <laughs> squeezing your nipple right exactly like and, and then you like it first like so you can like, bottle milk up exactly exactly that's and so a lot of times moms will do this like working moms will do this if they're you know they'll pump during the day once or maybe you know if they go to a work trip they might pump for a couple of days so i was doing this you know instead of breastfeeding for you know that was the you know for the first couple of weeks because gavin was too little to be able to drink from the breast directly he was getting food through his nose actually which is crazy yeah this happens a lot this happens a lot with um premature babies Premies. they exactly. don't necessarily have the muscle strength to suck on the nipple right. to really exactly. hold milk from the breast and the more the more saliva the more like um like appropriate sucking the more the breast knows okay cool we we need to make this kind of milk at this time this right. is what you know, this is what his body needs. And uh, anyway, you can mimic yeah. that through the pump to the best of your ability. Right. So yeah. we did the pump. And then also, I don't know, I did um, like a spray of oxytocin, which yeah. is the love hormone. So every time before I would pump, I would spray and look at a picture of him or look at a picture of your family or something. It's supposed to, if you have those like feelings of love, you actually are able to produce more milk. Fun fact, so, oxytocin is also the hormone that gets released every time um, you have a contraction in labor. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, so basically I felt in, like really, like I was actually doing something that was purposeful, which, you know, that's very important to me, right? I don't like to be idle. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm feeding my baby. You know, even though it was sort of like basically every three hours I was allowed to visit him in the hospital. So I would visit him in the hospital I would come back to the hotel room. I would do the whole oxytocin pump, everything. And I would collect this liquid gold and then bring it back for his next feeding. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I did. That was my existence for six weeks. And you couldn't hold him or did you, were you able to yes. hold him? So I was bit? able to hold him the first couple of weeks because we didn't have our flu shots yet. Like I had to wear a mask. So it's actually, yeah. But I did the whole like skin to skin, you know, when I would hold him um, because that, for those who are curious, um, that's also that's supposed to be really good for the baby to grow for preemies, right? To be able to have that skin to skin contact. And Eric did the same thing, you know, he would, you know, take off the buttons on his shirt or whatever, and he would hold the baby skin to skin because that is, a, is supposed to be really helpful. It's, um, it's helpful even for fully, you oh. know, grown people. It right. turns out. <laughs> Hugging is good. All Hugging. ages, yeah, that skin to skin, it, this is a lot of like, um, yeah. Uh, calm down. Yeah. Calm down hormones, which of course is where growth and right. 
exactly exactly yeah so um it was actually five and a half weeks that he was in the hospital um and then we were able to bring him home and so we that was the end of our that crazy journey well the beginning really right well, well exactly so i was like okay well so now that half marathon's done right i'm like okay so now i'm in this new one called parenthood and this is like a marathon this one just never ends that one, I mean, I mean, we're still at it. Your mother's still at it, right? She still gets calls like, hi, I'm stuck in Costa Rica alone with two children and no house. Please come help me. And she exactly. And she came in a second, in a second. I mean, talk about modeling, you know, so I'm very, very grateful. Yeah. Um, When you um, met Gavin, was it what you expected or did you have any moments where you were like, oh, I, might not have the bond that I wanted and and was the breastfeeding yeah. was it was the importance of breastfeeding for you part of you bonding with the baby knowing yeah. you know so I wanted to breastfeed so that I could get him the for all the benefits of breastfeeding right that I had heard about right the bonding the health of the you know the, the baby and everything else I would I really prefer to do things naturally so that to me felt felt really good it felt like a good match for me Um, but to, to really be honest, and this is like, no, I don't mean to offend you or anything, but the question that you just asked is not even something that crossed my mind because I had been, I had been through so much by that point. I was just so happy to have my baby. Yes. So it's like that your perspective is different than mine because I had been through, you know, almost four years of You had been through pregnancy. I actually, I actually know that. I, I know that, Jamie, but I do know that that's a question for the audience. Of course. hundred percent. Where you're yeah, and, and I mourned that, like I did that, right? Like with oh, each yeah. of my each of my pregnancies, I had a chance to really mourn that and think, okay, I'm never going to be pregnant, like I'm never going to have a kid. And then when I was able to have a kid, right, which was really yeah. the end goal, the other parts I was just like, it's okay, you yeah. know. I think also people have that sort of question when it comes to uh, IVF or or or, or C section right. or we have this sort of idea or adoption or foster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we have this idea where like if um, if a mother is not in a, you know in the most ideal circumstances, I, I was going to actually poke fun at water birth, and honestly, it's not funny. That's a beautiful way to bring a child into the world too. Right. But I think like the whole point mm-hmm. is that, you know, like there are many, many ways to be a mother and that that bond is mm-hmm. so strong. Yeah. It is yeah. so strong that the details are so meaningless. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. It didn't, it didn't matter to me at all. It didn't matter. You know, um, it was, it was just like, I had my, made my baby. Right. And that was it. So and, and he was healthy. Like, I was just like, so worried that he was going to be on a ventilator or he you know, have all of these other concerns. No, I mean, he was really healthy. So I was so relieved, I think yeah. is the word to describe it. And, and to finally just have my baby, you know, and then even though we weren't, you know, I couldn't bring him home yet. I just knew, I knew he was in such good hands. I have to just mention the NICU nurses are like, angels on earth seriously those women I was there every three hours because I had the means to be able to do that there were most of the babies didn't get visitors most of the babies didn't get visitors why well I a lot of the women in this hospital because you know it was like south of Atlanta but it really would be any hospital um lived far away right and this is something that we take for granted living in in a city um, you know is that 
and maybe they didn't have access to transportation or their own car. Um, and so these NICU nurses, I would watch them, right, would pick up and hold these babies and love them, you know, just all the time, all the time, um, because they didn't have a parent coming to do that because they probably they couldn't, right? Like, you know, so have you seen those um, images of um, those, uh, those babies born via surrogacy in the Ukraine? I did. Taken yeah. care of by these amazing mm -hmm. nurses in the NICU. I did read that article. That was heartbreaking. Um, and some of them yeah. got, some of them did actually get to their parents. I, I yeah. was, I didn't track the whole story. I hope so. Yeah, those NICU, I hope so. Those NICU nurses, you know, they, some of them had the option of leaving. Yeah. They, they wouldn't. Right. They wouldn't, and they didn't. They, Right. I know. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I'm a teacher and people are always like, oh, teacher is like such a great job. Like what you do is so important. And I'm like, thank you. You know, and I feel really good about doing it. But and then I see these NICU nurses and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like I felt the same way about the nurses um, in the, the, the delivery room. Also, I I mean, these women are incredible, incredible. They're just cut from a different cloth. I don't know what it is, but they have something inside of them um, that and we're just we're just lucky to have them. Seriously. Yeah. Although yeah. I will say that you're cut from a different cloth too. <laughs> in Costa Rica. So yeah, here I am. Yeah. In Costa Rica. I want to talk about um Avery, who's yeah. Ness, um Ness's yeah. friend, but we are at time, which is crazy. Yes, I know. It went fast. Um, but I but more important than the details, as we said, right? More important mm -hmm. than that. I'm wondering if as we wrap up, um if if you had something to say to a person who was curious about surrogacy and a person who was just on this, on this journey, like, yeah. you know, like if you could close your eyes and I'm not here and you're just talking to that, that girl, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what would you say? The first thing that comes to my mind is just don't give up. There were times when I was ready to give up. And, you know, think, thinking we should, you know, find a different route, like do something different. And I think adoption is beautiful, but that just was never our plan. That wasn't what we wanted to do. Like we wanted to have our own children and I was ready to give up. Right. And it took the partnership with my husband and I, like, I couldn't have done this alone. That's just me. Right. But it took us together. And so there were moments when it was really dark, like I had mentioned, like it was dark for me in some moments and it was dark for Eric in other moments. And we just really had to support each other, right? Because one of us was ready to give up and then the other one had to be like, no, we can do this, like and coach the other one. Yeah. And so I hope that for that you have the, um, a partnership or support that you would need so that you can continue on in this journey because just, you know, you, it's, it's possible. And it's worth it, it seems. I mean, <laughs> it's 100% worth it. it. Really freaking cute. Oh, <laughs> they're cute. Yeah. They're kind. Yes. Slow yes. to warm up, and you know yeah. I'm into that. Positive. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to share the story of Gavin, um, of Gavin's birth. This is something I've been wanting to to talk about for a long time. And I'm so you know, glad you want to talk about it because well, you know I did I did feel very alone during the process. Um, and and I hope that someone can hear the story and feel like you're not alone going through this. So how old is yeah. Gavin now? Eight years old. Wow. Yeah. He's Eight a big kid. Old. He's in second grade. Yeah. 
Amazing. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's more, maybe we can make, we can come back actually and just talk about um, Avery and. Yes. Avery. Yeah. Cause I would love to talk about her. She's too. a special kid in my life. At least, <laughs> she so. is. Oh, thank you. Uh, she was also born uh, via surrogacy and um, yes. yeah. I never want to let you go, but maybe I'll just see you over Passover then. That sounds perfect. I you love it. You think I should come? I do. I do. We, we, we'll have to make those plans. I think that it'd be, it'd be really fun. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. Thank Thanks, Daniela. Okay. Bye. Bye.